following is an exclusive presentation of News Radio KMAN, your home for K State athletics. It's game time. This is the game on News Radio KMAN. Well, let the madness begin. Tonight from the T-Mobile Center in Kansas City, the Big 12 tournament gets underway with the bottom four teams trying to work their way into the quarterfinals. Meanwhile, the Pac-12, the Big 10, the SEC, the Big East, they're all getting underway as well. Welcome to the game. Mitch Fortner and Travion Berkland is just us two today. It'll be our final show of the week. Uh, for the reason tomorrow, it's obviously because we have, uh, you know, K-State women's basketball with pregame at 430. They're going to be taking on Texas Tech in their first game of the Big 12 tournament in Kansas City from Municipal Auditorium. Tip-off at 5. And the K-State men, of course, will follow with approximately an 8.30 tip-off between the Cats and TCU with pregame starting at about 7.30. Uh, Friday, we will not have a show because of K-State baseball. So, Due to uh, potentially some you know chilly weather, maybe a little bit of snow, we'll see. I'm not sh- exactly sure what the forecast looks like for this week, but it could be not ideal weather for baseball. Let's put it that way. And uh, Youngstown State coming to town. So K-State baseball has moved the start times for all three games this weekend. They are 4 o'clock on Friday and Saturday. Sunday will be an online-only broadcast with first pitch at 10 a.m. So that means pregame will start at approximately 9.30. But uh, here on today's show, actually, we're going to hear from uh, a whole bunch of folks. We're going to hear from Jerome Tang uh, in our next segment, who spoke to the media. We're not going to have D.Y. today. He's in Kansas City. He's doing his media thing. He doesn't have time to, unfortunately, be on our show today because he's really busy. I'll be heading to Kansas City tomorrow morning. But we'll hear the uh, we'll hear Jerome Tang, who spoke to the media about an hour and a half ago. Uh, in Kansas City at the T-Mobile Center before his team got underway with their hour of practice. We're going to hear from Chris Kleiman later in the hour. Plus, Brent Yormark. It was announced earlier today that he is going to have a press conference with the media at the T-Mobile Center. That takes place at 4.30. Hopefully, I'll get the audio soon after, and we can get it played back as soon as possible. So I'm going to hear it the first time you do as well. And uh, we'll, uh, of course, react. Then, of course, we have Mitch Palm. Uh, coming up in hour number two as we preview the third meeting between Kansas State and TCU. I've been loving the uh, videos I've been seeing from the practice case they had. They seem very relaxed for it being now a pretty stressful time of the season. I saw, uh, well, the video I saw from from practice was the big boom box was out. Hopefully you've seen that. If not, get on Twitter and look up K-State men's basketball and the videos that are being put out there by the media. Uh, the big boom box is out. And they started playing one shining moment while they're shooting free throws. And Marquise Noel missed a free throw. I couldn't. Now, Ish Masood did make his. He's Mr. Automatic as well, like uh, Marquise Noel. But they're already breaking out the one shining moment. I think they're kind of, you know, putting on a little bit of a show for the, uh, for the audience there as they allow the media in for a while for their shoot-around. Uh, but as you, you, you could imagine... They'll get back to the hotel. I'm sure they'll still have some walkthroughs. They'll have walkthroughs tomorrow. And after 
the sleep tonight. It's going to be all business tomorrow against TCU. We'll preview that again in the second hour with my official prediction uh, with Mitch Palm. We have more drama, though, in the Big 12, and it has to do with TCU. Uh, I want to take you back to December. Let me let me rewind a little bit. This is, doesn't have to do with TCU, but it, it it's what started the drama this season with Big 12 coaches out of the state of Texas. Go back to December, and that's when Chris Beard was arrested. Back on December 12th, when his fiancee, Randy True, she called 911. She told officers that he choked her from behind, bit her, hit her when the two had a fight. Chris Beard gets arrested. And she has since, I guess, retracted that statement, but he has still been charged. And yet Chris Beard, who has now lost his job and is no longer the head coach at, at Texas, and it's been uh, Rodney, uh, Rodney Terry who's taken over and has done a great job. Chris Beard is now the frontrunner to take the Ole Miss job. Now, Ole Miss, if there's one program that does not get worried about its past history and does not take any shame for anything, that hire would not surprise me whatsoever. And then we go back to, gosh, it was just a few days ago. Texas Tech suspended their head coach in Mark Adams. And he was suspended for what was called, quote, inappropriate, unacceptable, and racially insensitive comment, where he encouraged a player to be more respective to coaching and referenced a Bible verse about workers, teachers, parents, and slaves serving their masters. And apparently this isn't the first quote-unquote racial incident with Mark Adams at Texas Tech, so his days at Tech could possibly be done. And then let's get to today. This news breaking earlier this afternoon and has to do with their starting center at TCU and Eddie Lampkin, a player that we did see start against the Cats in Manhattan in their past game, but he has been, I mean, really in and out with injuries. He's only played six of the last 12 games due to injuries. Well, now it was announced earlier today that he has not made the trip to Kansas City. He will not play in the Big 12 tournament, and he is out for an unknown amount of time for personal reasons. Well, those personal reasons really exclamated about two hours ago when Eddie Lampkin decided to take some screenshots of text messages and put them on Instagram. The drama has skyrocketed for for TCU heading into crucial time. They have Mike Miles back. If Eddie Lampkin was in Kansas City, they're at full strength. And Coach Tang has said that when TCU plays at full strength, they're one of the best teams in the country. And they whooped K-State back in January. And that was at a time K-State was hot. They had won nine in a row. And TCU that day, they haven't every day. And of course, they haven't really been healthy the last half of the Big 12 schedule. But when they are and they play well, oh, absolutely, they look like one of the best teams in the country. Well, Eddie Lampkin has now added a lot of kindling to this fire heading into the Big 12 tournament, which he will not play in. So here are, the, here are the screenshots. I'll read these for you. So the first screenshot, there's actually five of them. I'll try to get through them quickly here. 
So the first one was a text message from Coach Jamie Dixon to Eddie Lampkin's mom, Vanessa. He said, Vanessa, thank you for taking the time to speak with us yesterday. I'm sorry that I was not able to get Eddie to reach the levels that we had both hoped for. I understand that Eddie is entering the transfer portal. I know he will be a great player, and I hope that hope and believe he reaches the NBA. We wish him all the success. The first day of NCAA transfer portal is Monday, March 13th. Go to the next screenshot. It is a response to that text message, I believe, from Vanessa, uh, Eddie Lampkin's mom, and it says, Coach Dixon, we did not talk yesterday, and no one has told you from our end that Eddie is entering the transfer portal. We are discussing your behavior towards him. I do not appreciate the way you and everyone at TCU is making it about the transfer portal and not about the real reason he is not there with the team he loves. If you all don't tell the truth of how you have mistreated, disrespected, and said racial remarks, I got to go to the next uh, picture here, towards him, please do not disrespect my son's name because all we have been is patient with you, you in all caps. Handle us with Christian values for once. Yeah, it, it, it got hot. It got real hot real quick. So then there, there are more screenshots. Uh, the last couple here are basically Eddie Lampkin going back and forth with an assistant coach. We don't know who the assistant coach is. But it's basically, and I'm not going to read all of it here, but it's basically Eddie Lampkin saying that, you know Coach Dixon has been saying this about us. You know he's been treating us this way. There's even a message here. There's a quote that said, uh, said, come on, let me tell you, I own you, and let me know what to do. As in, that implies that at one point, Jamie Dixon told Eddie Lampkin or somebody on the team, I own you. So now we have another head coach. If the headlines are out there quite yet, might now be a little bit under fire because of these of these screenshots that have been put on social media. Um, I, I don't. I want to get in an argument or anything. I mean, I'm just, it's just me talking here. There's nobody to argue with back and forth here. But I don't want to get into the argument or get into the conversation of, you know, th- this is right now. He said, she said, and really, it's all he said. I don't know anything about you know Jamie Dixon and what has been said behind the scenes other than these these text messages that we're seeing. But this is really blowing up, and now we have another Big Twelve coach, uh, you know, being accused of something. And now it's you know this is heading into the Big Twelve tournament, and I I don't I, I'm I'm not the most knowledgeable about. You know, the history of Jamie Dixon. I, what I know about Jamie Dixon, he's a big defensive guy, big rebound guy. And I, I mean, just talking with those around K-State, when I say those around K-State, I'm not talking like coaches, but I've had a few conversations with people about Jamie Dixon, and everybody seems to be a big fan of Jamie Dixon. But I would not, here's two things, I would not be surprised if something does come out about Jamie Dixon and he is all of a sudden not coaching. Uh, also because this is a big accusation. And I'm sure TCU is going to want to look into it themselves um, if this does go further than just these screenshots. 
But Eddie Lamkin is not playing for TCU any longer. I there's no coming back from putting this out there, these accusations. Uh, Eddie Lamkin is no longer going to be playing for TCU. That that's that's done. He's he's although he's not officially in the transfer portal yet. And I don't know where you know again. Don't know the whole story here other than these screenshots. Eddie Lamkin's not going to play for TCU anymore. He's not going to be playing against K State tomorrow. Uh, and now Jamie Dixon, heading into a big coaching day tomorrow, is dealing with a whole lot of stress. Still, he said, she said, clearly a developing story, but it's now, this is a story that's really just getting hot right now. And so, you know, when Mitch Palm comes around, I kind of have to consider it, don't I not? Do I not? Now, Coach Tang was asked about this situation and prepping for TCU. We're going to hear from Coach Tingle. When we come back, we're going to hear his short press conference that he had with the media earlier today getting set for the Big 12 tournament that's coming up next year on the game. Big 12 coaches in Texas, with the exception of Scott Drew, got to get their houses in order. Get those houses in order. TCU and Texas Tech, it sounds like now. I mean, Mark Adams, wasn't he the one that married his dead brother's widow? Hmm. If it's true, I don't blame Andy Lampkin at all. I'd be out of there. I'd say, screw you, guy. Screw you, buddy. I'm out of there. If anything racially has been said towards the players, that is a heavy accusation towards Jamie Dixon, uh, but that, of course, is still uh, playing out. We'll get you a preview of the Cats and TCU coming up in hour number two. We're also planning to hear from um, K-State, or not K-State, but Big 12 Commissioner Brett Yormark uh, that is called a press conference at 4.30 today, so that's in four minutes. Unfortunately, we don't have a live feed of that. So as soon as that's done, hopefully we'll get the audio right away or soon after that. And uh, we'll try to get it played right away because I'm looking forward to hearing that uh, greatly, uh, especially with old George Klykov. He's not having a press conference in Pac-12 country. He is not. He is not ready for the questions that the media wants to ask him. Talking about TV rights deal that the presidents and chancellors of the university in the Pac-12 have been waiting for for months now, and they still don't have one. Brett Yormark apparently wants the Arizona schools. They want wants uh, Colorado, maybe Utah or San Diego State in there. Uh, yeah, he doesn't want to answer those questions at all. He's not having a press conference. I would imagine Brett Yormark is going to be asked some similar questions, and I'm uh, looking forward to hearing uh, those answers that he has. Uh, before we uh, hear from Drum Tang, uh, shout to Manhattan Boys Basketball and a. And another great season they had. It wrapped up today in the 6A state quarterfinals. They lose uh, by five in overtime to a very good Blue Valley North team. A Blue Valley North team has just won now uh, 20 games on the year. They've lost just three. And they put up a heck of a fight in a low-scoring game. But unfortunately, Manhattan uh, does fall short of the final four in 6A. All right, let's hear from Jerome Tang. This was before his team practice today at the, uh, at the T-Mobile Center. In Kansas City, this was in a big media scrum. I saw a picture of it on social media. I mean, TV cameras galore. Everybody was wanting to hear from the Big 12 Coach of the Year, Drum Tang, 
Here is that press conference earlier today. This field this week in this tournament um, looks like maybe one of the deepest fields we've ever seen in this tournament. You've been to a lot of these tournaments. What would it mean to come out on top of this group of teams? Oh, uh, I mean, you had three really good days. And, um, yeah, it's, you know, these games are going to be so physical and everybody knows each other so well. You know, your, your best players got to play their best right now. And, you know, you got to get a little lucky too, so. This uh, it's a tough tournament to win, obviously, right? You were at Baylor for a long time, trying to break from this. K-State hasn't won a postseason tournament since 1980. Would this mean, like, more to the Cat fans than maybe some of these others who have uh, won it more? I don't know. I can't speak for all the Cat fans. I know we've played at Baylor. We were in the championship game three times. All three times we played a northern team. They had a home court advantage, you know, and uh, you felt it you know, and uh, didn't win any of those three games. And so if we're blessed enough to be in that championship game, I don't think the opposing team will have a home court advantage. And so looking forward to that if that happens. Jerome, you're looking forward to having a home court advantage for the first time instead of being cheered against. How are you looking forward to that? Yeah, you know, it's just a blast. You know, I mean, just even walking up and down the streets. And I remember how many fans some of the other teams had, including K-State in years when they were really good. And, uh, so I, I'm excited about that. I just remember being here earlier uh, when we played Nebraska, how our fans turned out, and what a great experience that was, and so excited about it. Coach Desi still being back. How's he doing, and what has he added to this team in the Big 12 tournament? Uh, Des is doing well. We are so thankful to have him back. You know, obviously it's, you know, it takes time to go through whenever you lose a loved one, and so, um, you know, he, he's going to be fine. He's a tough kid, and, and we're just a better team when he's on the floor. How much emphasis or non-emphasis is put on turnover issue when you're in practice? Um, you know, we, 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 I think everybody in our program, every player on our team understands that if we don't turn the ball over, it gives us a better chance to win. TC, your thoughts? Playing him for the third time, you know, you don't get that much in a lot of other conferences, and now you got to do it here. So what are your thoughts on facing TC for the third time? Well, you know, I... I thought when they're healthy and have their whole roster that they were the most talented team in our league. And uh, I had, that hadn't, hadn't changed my mind. Um, you know, it's going to come down to what the questioners just asked, turnovers. Who turns the ball over less and who gives up the less second chance shots and, and then your stars got to be stars. NCAA tournament wise, two line, three line, destination, what, what do you feel like you guys are playing for this week? Uh, we're trying to win the game tomorrow. That's it. Hadn't really, not really thinking about the tournament. Excited that we get a chance to be in the tournament. I mean, it's a different feel being here and knowing that you're in. And uh, so, I mean, we don't take that lightly or for granted, but really hadn't thought about the seed lines and stuff. What about the accolades that your team, your players, and yourself with AP and conference honors? Uh, do you take time to think about those things and what it means for this for the team and the program? Well, my staff made me take the time to like announce it to the team, the guys, because the, there were like so many of them coming in and, and that's a blessing, right? It's a blessing from God. So thankful. means we had a great season because the guys are winning award, awards. It means that we have a really good team because you don't get, those are not individual awards. Their team awards, and so uh, very thankful for all of it, and um, probably need to do a better job of appreciating it and celebrating it. For you in the first year, though, you know, getting coach of the year, how hard was it for you to institute that culture that you wanted to bring in and to do so successfully in your first year? 
um, we, we got the right guys in recruiting. Like you, you establish your culture in the, with the guys you recruit, and we recruited guys that we felt fit what we were about, and um, they just happened to be even better than we thought of as kids and players. Hey, Jerome, does uh, them not having any Lambkin change anything about the way you approach this game? Nah, because they're like three deep at every position, you know, so, I mean, Eddie obviously is different, you know, um, because of his size, his skill, his um, energy level, and so they're it, they're going to miss him, but they haven't had him for, you know, on and off for some games for different reasons, and so I'm sure they're going to be ready to play. Does your routine kind of switch up as far as practices, sleeping, eating, when you can start when tournament time starts? Or are you trying to keep it consistent? What you've been doing throughout the year? We've been trying to be consistent, and but just cut back. And what is it about this tournament? Uh, do you like this tournament? Do you like coming to Kansas City? What is it about the Big Twelve? Uh, you know, now I mean, now obviously as a head coach, but you've been yep. coming here for years. Uh, what is it about this tournament? I dislike coming here as an assistant. You know, I uh, felt like it was an unfair advantage, and now I'm very thankful. <laughs> <laughs> Do you see that? Is there a huge advantage? Kind of oh, yes, it's a huge advantage. I, I, I mean, two years ago, um, Iowa State had a not a good season, right? Steve Prohm was the coach at the time, and they didn't have a good Steve. Steve's, Steve's a friend of mine. He, I remember walking through the hallway with him, and they had... 500 fans in the lobby of the hotel cheering the team, you know, as they were coming back from a loss. And Steve says, man, these fans are incredible. You know, I remember playing Missouri, and, I mean, the arena was packed. It was just crazy. I, I remember pulling up to the stadium, and I think K-State had just played, and their fans were out waiting for their bus to leave right there where the buses come in. is. I mean, it's just it's just crazy uh, when you have a fan base behind you and it's in this close in the way everybody turns out. So yes, it is definitely an advantage, and I don't want to see the tournament move anywhere. Coach, this time of year is all about who's playing the best basketball. Do you feel like your team is playing the best it can be? I think we're playing pretty good. I don't know if it's the best we can play. I think uh, we still have room to improve, and but that's just the way I think all the time. But I think we're playing pretty good. How do you address rest if you hypothetically, you know, win three games in a row? I'll think about that when that happens. <laughs> well, let's, let's get three How wins. How do you address rest going into this Big 12 tournament? Well, we've been um, making it a priority probably for the last three weeks. And uh, we've done a good job as a staff of providing opportunities for them to rest, cutting back what we're doing at practice, um, you know, taking all the fluff stuff out and just really focusing what needs to be done and then um, really emphasizing to our guys what they need to do in order for their bodies to recover. How much of your game plan has to change because you've played these teams so many times before? Uh, you don't really change the game plans. You have certain things that are important to you and because they're important to winning, you try to do them a little bit better than the other team. TCU leads the country at fast break points. What's the antidote to that? <laughs> Don't turn the ball over. Don't take bad shots and run really, really fast on the way back. <laughs> that was Jerome Tang earlier today at the T-Mobile Center. Uh, I did love the comment about the home court advantage in Kansas City. Of course, did not have it with Baylor. Now he has it with K-State. And now is grateful that the Big 12 tournament is played in Kansas City. Love that. Uh, I wanted to point out that I actually was looking at the T-Mobile Center website and 
the uh, the second session for tomorrow, which will feature the winner of Oklahoma, Oklahoma State. The winner of that will play Texas, and then you have K State TCU. Is almost a sellout. There's there's still some seats available, not many, but still some seats available in the upper deck, the entire lower deck, course side. That is all sold out. So I would imagine either OU or Oklahoma State will have a few fans there. Whoever wins for that second day will still have a few fans there. I think it'll be mostly Texas and K-State fans and expect more K-State fans, of course, to be in attendance and make that a really good environment because everybody's bought in now on Drum Tang. So I would expect a lot of purple uh, in Kansas City the next few days. Uh, before we take a break, just wanted to pass along this uh, this breaking college basketball news. Uh, let me get this pulled up again real quick. Uh, Jim Behind, Syracuse, has retired. He is done. Um, as I saw here that Syracuse, they lost to Wake Forest in the second round of the ACC tournament. Syracuse now 17-5. and five, uh, Obviously would be uh, most likely an NIT team, I would imagine. Uh, I guess he doesn't feel like to coach in the NIT. So he is done, uh, Jim Beheim at Syracuse. All right, when we come back, I promised you a part two of highlights from Chris Kleiman's press conference. First of the spring, and that was yesterday. That second half of those highlights is coming up next. How about this? Um, The WWE, this was reported about an hour ago, is in talks with state gambling regulators in Colorado and Michigan to legalize betting on high-profile matches. I love that. Uh, Now, not Kansas yet, but uh, they should consider Kansas, I just got to say. Here's the deal. You may be scoffing at that. WWE, that's not sports. That's that's fake. It's scripted. I would make that into a segment, and I would make you a lot of money. Fair enough? Uh, because high-profile matches are when it comes... The, the high-profile ones, like the, the main events or whatever, are the easiest to predict... WrestleMania, when Roman Reigns faces Cody Rhodes, Cody is going over. He's going to win. I mean, you saw that happen. Well, I, I don't watch WWE anymore, but I saw it happen coming months ago. I'd tell you to put down a bunch of money, maybe the mortgage, and guess what? You're going to double. You're going to double it. Oh, Has it been a common thing to um, bet on? WWE matches or so, AEW or whatever. The way DraftKings does their their gambling, uh, you know, it was before like you know the sports books you could bet online and all that legally. The way they did things, you could technically bet on matches. Um, I think maybe some offshore companies would allow you to bet on big matches. But of course, I mean, th- this would obviously be much different because yes, it is a scripted event. Um, and if you have any inside knowledge, if you have any sources, you could put down, you could make a whole lot of money. Um, 
honestly, if I were to give any advice to Colorado and Michigan, well, actually, really, just the the the, the casinos, whoever's running the books in those um, in those states, I'd say hell no, because this, this this would be the thing when it comes to casinos to gambling. In my opinion, the house would be the would have the disadvantage. The house would absolutely have the disadvantage. Everywhere else, the house has the advantage. In betting odds, blackjack, whatever game you want to throw out there, the slots, advantage house. The house always wins. If you could start betting on professional wrestling and as as in betting on sports, the house is at a disadvantage. Because there's a thing called dirt sheets. And a dirt sheet is basically uh, like behind-the-scenes news. And th- these these major dirt sheets have great sources. I have a couple sources. They're not as good as these dirt sheets. Um, and they're, they're not afraid to give out some results or what the plan is heading into major events. And if anything changes last minute, they get word of that. And they'll let you know. So if you're a wrestling fan and you don't like spoilers, you don't pay attention to the dirt sheets. So there, yeah, I, I, man, I like money. I have to talk to uh, K State on that. Give me, uh, give me a break on uh, betting on the old sports. Let me uh, bet on some uh, on some WrestleMania. Would it get you into watching WWE again if that happened? Uh, when it gets around like WrestleMania, I'll watch. Oh, okay. Royal Rumble, WrestleMania, like this time of the year. I don't watch week to week, but I'll watch the pay-per-views. Right. Because every match, will, they'll like do a, like a video recap of like what has led up to it, like the build, the storyline. You can, you can catch up on months of TV in four minutes. So I'll watch WrestleMania. I'll watch the two-day event. And then I'll, uh, I'll just go right back to watching AEW week after week. Let's get to Chris Kleiman. More highlights from yesterday's press conference as they opened up the spring practice yesterday. Uh, We'll get to the clips now that I didn't get to yesterday. Chris Kleiman spoke about Colin Klein. A couple of CKs on this team. Offensive coordinator Colin Klein decided not to go to Notre Dame. He decided to stay a cat. Here is Chris Kleiman's reaction. Everybody when you have success gets opportunities and uh, we had a number of guys have opportunities and and I think at the time in his life for for CK we talked we have unfinished business here and um, what a great uh, uh, opportunity he had to go and interview I know he and I got a chance to visit he visited with some other people and it was uh, I think the right thing for him to stay at K-State right now we talked about a lot of the people we have returning as well as um, new players coming in and uh, we've got some unfinished business. And guys returning offensively should give Coach Klein some comfort. With the amount of guys we have returning, especially when you think about a quarterback that's returning that knows our offense inside and out and the amount of offensive linemen we have, I think there's a real comfort level with CK to be able to throw a lot of things at Will Howard and be able to know that Will can make a lot of things right. We're way further ahead on offense than we are on defense just with the amount of guys we have returning. Yeah, there's no doubt. And Colin Klein, I mean, they're – when it comes to unfinished business and running it back, those should definitely be like the two slogans for the year, especially what is coming back offensively. I mean, there's no doubt, no doubt. Quarterback, the whole offensive line, tight end. You have a veteran wide receiver returning in in Mal- or in uh, Philip Brooks rather. Keegan Johnson 
is going to be he's an experienced wide receiver who Kleiman said on yesterday about how how athletic he is, how smooth he is at the wide receiver position. I'm really high on Keegan Johnson. I really am. Yeah, I mean, how how are you not hyped about that? Obviously, the big piece missing is Deuce Vaughn. But even with Treshawn Ward, DJ Giddens, I'm feeling good. I'm absolutely feeling good. Speaking of the offense, hey, there's a new wide receivers coach at K-State. Coach Middlebrook, here's Chris Kleiman, on why hiring Middlebrook to be wide receivers coach. You know, he had spent some time with Coach Riley at uh, Nebraska-Omaha, and uh, he was uh, familiar yeah, I was familiar, familiar with him because he was at South Dakota in the Missouri Valley. Um, a number of coaches uh, that we had visited with uh, spoke really highly of, of Matthew and, and his ability to teach, his ability to build relationships, his ability to recruit. Uh, interviewed uh, a handful of guys, Colin did, brought a couple of guys in, um, and just thought it was the right fit. So Matthew Middlebrook, 15 years when it comes to coaching. The last five were at Kent State. He was successful there. Um, and excuse me, had a cough there for a second, but, uh, he, he is already very active when it comes to recruiting and building bonds with wide receivers that could potentially become cats. I wanted to toss out there just a couple of names that have surfaced here in the last few days, uh, out of Arkansas, CJ Brown, he's a, he's a three-star. He has offers from Arkansas, Purdue, uh, Oklahoma state, Arkansas state, Colorado state, UNLV, among others. And he actually spoke with uh, with K-State Online about how his favorite part of the visit that he just recently took was meeting Coach Middlebrook and picking his brain. He answered, Middlebrook answered all the questions that C.J. Brown had. And this is coming from C.J. Brown, who spoke to, uh, to K-State Online. Really enjoyed that part of meeting K-State players. K-State coaches, seeing the facilities, getting the whole experience, meaning the new wide receivers coach who hasn't been here too long was his favorite part about that. So now, you, I mean, right off the bat, you have a coach that's building bonds with recruits. That's exactly what you want. Um, and then there was another uh, player that came up, and I don't think he's been offered yet by K-State, but it's Keelan Smith, who goes to Liberty North, He's another three-star kid, and he's going to be visiting tomorrow. So you have another three-star kid who is you know, class of 2024, and Middleton's going to do his thing again. So I think he's already off to a great start. Obviously, we're not going to see the coaching part of it when it comes to who we currently have for a little while, but he'll be here sooner than later. Now, another part of this offense that we didn't get to yesterday, Jackson Neen entering the transfer portal Full bank for the Cats. Here's Coach Chris Kleiman. As we started to evolve last year, became much more of an 11 personnel team and even a 12 personnel team. And when I say a 12 personnel team, whether it's the Ben Sennets to what we're recruiting of the Garrett Oakleys and Lofton and the couple guys that we signed with Will Anxia, there's a different body type that we went to using a little bit more. And so that's the one thing is we're always going to be truthful and honest. You know, we still have a couple other fullbacks in the program that actually had season-ending surgery that we've got to decide what their role is and how can we utilize those guys. I thought that clip was very clear without saying exactly what's happening, but it was it was really clear. The way K-State has evolved this past year with Colin Klein as the offensive coordinator 
and calling plays, they are moving away from using the fullback. Um, and it sounds weird, right? K State football not using a fullback. Chris Kleiman has been really he, he's been using a fullback the last or the uh, the first few years that he's been here. Bill Snyder, of course, I, it's weird. K State has had a great run with the fullback, uh, especially since Snyder. Uh, but that's going away. Uh, that that is certainly going away. That'll, of course, like we saw last year, involve more wide receivers on the field, maybe an extra tight end. As K State continues to evolve, and the players that he mentioned were you know were tight ends. Uh, so yeah, very clear on that message there. And of course, Jackson in as a fullback, um, not going to find really any playing time at K State any longer. And then finally. One uh, clip here as we go to the defense, and that's about Khalid Duke uh, with trying to shirt things up with the defensive ends. Sam Linebacker, that job is, uh, you know, it could be potentially up for grabs when it comes to, uh, you know, how deep that is. Outside linebacker, Khalid Duke, Khalid, I'm trying to say Khalid, I'm trying to make sure to still say that. Uh, I guess right now the question was, where would he play Right now, here's Coach. As of now, we probably see him as a defensive end, but it's really hard for us this spring because we're down so many guys. We probably will have another package or another plan for Duke as far as is he going to just be a fourth rusher some and come from a linebacker spot? Is he going to stay as a stand-up guy? Duke's versatility is something that's really going to help our defense because of the multitude of things he can do. And just to wrap up, I I, I love Khalid at either position – He's an outstanding player. I think I prefer him as a defensive end. Uh, I, I think when he was a down lineman in that game against Texas Tech, he raised a lot of hell, and he was able to create more havoc. And Man, when he had that duo of King Felix and, and Khalid, whoo, that was good. That was good stuff. Each guy, I think, had three sacks in the game. All right, when we come back, we'll finish up the hour with a former Kansas City Royal who was a world champion in 2015, is going to retire, and he's going to retire as a Royal. That's up next. Mitch Fortner and Travion Berkland with you as we take it to 6 o'clock. To wrap up Hour 1, want to quickly mention that Lorenzo Kane, Low Kane, former center fielder for the Kansas City Royals, a world champion with the Royals in 2015. He has announced his retirement from baseball. And he also announced with that announcement okay. uh, that he is going to retor- retire as a Royal. He's already talking to the Royals about when to do it. They're going to wait till this summer. They're going to try to schedule it for May. So it'll be an on-field celebration. Locaine, it was said by J.J. Piccolo that he is going to be a Royals Hall of Famer. But they're going to try to do the retirement celebration in May at Kauffman Stadium. So keep that in mind, Royals fans. If you love the 2015 Royals... I'm sure that's a game you're not going to want to miss. Boy, he had a rough run with the Brewers. Too many injuries. But man, loved him as a Royal. Hour two of the game, including Brett Yormark and Mitch Palm after the break.